Can TCU replace their production at the running back position this season? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs, uh, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Steven Simcox. You can subscribe on YouTube. Would love if you would do that. Also, if you are listening to the audio version of this, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, I appreciate you guys joining me on this Tuesday. I want to talk about the running back position for TCU today. We didn't get to this in our kind of five burning questions of the TCU offseason. So throughout the offseason, we'll just sort of pick different positions or different topics of interest within TCU football. And Last season, of course, all the conversation was um, Zach Evans leaves, right? So where does that leave TCU as far as running back goes? Can they return that production? And Kendra Miller stepped in and did an outstanding job. He had almost 1,400 yards, um, really showed the complete package as a running back, his ability to get yards after contact, uh, his incredible balance, the way he could burst through and – you know, have big games, scored a touchdown just about every single game. Um, losing him for the national championship game was a huge deal. Uh, and, you know, it was one of the many things that, that went wrong there. But he did such a great job and ended up, you know, having such a great season <clears throat> that he leaves early the NFL draft. So they really didn't skip a beat at all. And then also Marty Mercado had a great year as well. I, I think one of my favorite things about last year's team was the way he emerged. There was so much discussion about a guy that we're going to talk about in a minute, Amani Bailey, who came in from Louisiana, had a really impressive spring practice, spring camp. It seemed like a guy that could possibly take that spot. You know, Amari was a, a really solid player, but someone who had been around for a long time and had been mainly in a backup role. But he showed the ability to have, you know, that change of pace. And then really in that Michigan game, he was such a huge part of that victory. So TCU was fine at that spot. They're losing both those guys. Um, so it, it's this kind of fascinating dynamic, and it's like this in a lot of different places in the roster where <clears throat> there's a bunch of promise. I think there's a number of guys who could step up and be great players for TCU. But it's about, one, you know, can they do that when they get on the field? And then also a huge part of this is the offensive line had so much continuity last season and you're losing, you know, three of those guys, you're losing Steve Avila, you're losing Wes Harris, you're losing um, Alan Ali in the middle. So how do you kind of find that magic again with the different pieces that you have uh, coming back and up front this season, but thinking about some of the guys this year, um, Amani Bailey, as I said, had a really impressive spring practice, transferred over from Louisiana his last year there back in 2021. Um, he had 642 yards and eight touchdowns. And then this season, primarily in mop-up duty, 31 attempts, 250 yards, eight yards of carry, two touchdowns. There are multiple games. I think about that Texas Tech game late in that in that contest. You know, he just showed so much explosiveness. Same thing when he stepped in there against Tarleton. Um, I, I think there were some questions about could he hold up in pass protection. Didn't necessarily, necessarily seem to have the same grasp on all the different aspects of the running back position that Di Mercado had. 
but certainly a big opportunity for him now to step in and, you know, show that explosiveness, show that speed and that ability to break through to the next level. Another guy who got a lot of stats this year was Trent Battle. Now Trent's rushing stats were not super impressive because they really didn't use him in that capacity. Only nine attempts for 38 yards. He did have seven receptions for 91 yards. And I was surprised it was the yardage was that small because it felt like every time Trent made a catch, it was a big deal. I don't know. They, they would use him at times sort of uh, out of the backfield on some screens. I remember he had a big catch in the Big 12 title game after that muffed punt uh, by K-State. where They got him a first down. Um, he was a really good sort of gadget guy, and so I would expect him to also be a, a player that can step in and um, you know make some waves this year in a more traditional running back sense of running downhill, and then also they can use him in the slot. They can use him in those two-back sets that they really like to have him involved in as a true freshman. Some other players uh, to keep an eye on. So Trey Sanders transferred in from Alabama. Trey was insanely highly recruited out of high school. Five-star guy from Florida. Um, only had 14 attempts and 80 yards this year. Now in 2021, had 72 attempts and 314 yards. A couple of years ago, Trey was in a really bad car accident and has been fighting ever since to get fully healthy. So not sure exactly, you know, what his status is from a health perspective, but I mean, was one of the top running backs in the nation, like blue chip, everybody in the country wanted him. Um, and it's shown, you know, some of the aspects that Kendra showed last year of, change of pace, ability to, you know, fight through contact, get extra yardage. So that's another name to know. Um, you have Cameron Cook, uh, who is a true freshman coming in from Stony Point, had a huge senior season, four-star recruit, had offers from, you know, Cal, Cincinnati, Arizona, Houston, among others, um, was district MVP his junior and senior year, ran for over 1,700 yards, uh, his junior season, very explosive player, was a big recruiting win when they got him. So, you know, that's another name to know. I would also mention Corey Wren, who uh, was a transfer from Florida State, was super explosive on special teams for the Seminoles. They have him listed at a running back position. I don't know if he's going to be doing more of that or more like in the slot, kind of being a gadget guy, a jack-of-all-trades type players. Bottom line is, there's a lot of potential here. I think there's a lot of guys that have shown some flashes that come with great pedigree. It's really just about, you know, once they get on the field, can they actually step up and do this at a high level? And and more importantly, can this offensive line hold up? Kendall Browse likes to run the football. You know, like most air raid guys, um, he likes to do it against the light box. You know, he likes to get numbers by throwing and using RPOs to then turn around and hand off to those running backs. Um, but I expect a heavy workload from, a, you know, multiple players in this offense to try to replicate what they did from a rushing perspective last season because uh, their physicality and their ability, especially late in games, to run the ball with that big offensive line and Miller and DiMercato, was such a huge part of their success, and it always makes a job, the quarterback's job, easier, especially for a younger quarterback or just a quarterback with not a ton of gain experience like Chandler Morris. When we come back, the Pac-12 released a statement, and I think it shows they might be a little nervous. We'll talk about that next. Before we do that, though, um, FanDuel. You know, we've talked about FanDuel. They're such a huge partner now at the Locked On Network now. They're the official sports book of the NFL. And you might say, well, NFL season's over. Don't worry. It's the midway point of the NBA season. And it's the perfect time to download the FanDuel app. If you haven't, 
um, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, it's safe, secure, and the best thing is it's easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. If you know if you're not you know, looking to bet just on the game itself, the score of the game itself, then there are all kinds of prop bets you can get involved with. Um, FanDuel can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-day parlay. There's so many exclusive bets, uh, like two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. That's the type of specific prop bets that you can get involved with on the FanDuel app. Don't uh, miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. And that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. They had you covered during football season with the NFL. They will now have you covered during basketball season with the NBA. All right. Uh, so we've been talking a lot this week about realignment and the potential. With the Big 12, you know, finding clarity, right, by getting Texas and Oklahoma out of the conference after this season, um, there's now an opportunity if they want it with some cash in hand and just the fact that they know what the members are. Uh, to look your mark is is had some meetings. You know, we, we've confirmed that he met with Gonzaga, right, about a basketball-only situation. Um, the Pac-12 is also – trying to expand their reach, trying to get deals done, trying to get meetings done. They met with SMU. They reached out to San Diego State. There are other schools that they're involved with right now. The Pac-12 is also trying to get a media deal done. And there's a lot of negativity right now around the Pac-12 because the Big 12 got their deal done first. And so now the tables kind of turn and there's pressure on the Pac-12 conference to get a deal done that is close to or more than the Big 12 because that's what their commissioner, George Kalikoff, has been promising for a long time. He's been promising that they're just going to blow the Big 12 out of the water with this media rights deal. And so far, that has not materialized. And so there's been talk about are they going to go exclusively streaming? Is there going to be you know, a mix, which is probably what most likely would happen. There would be a mix of some linear cable and some streaming you know, situations. And so the Pac-12 released a statement. On Monday, this is a joint statement from the Pac-12 conference board members. It says the 10 Pac-12 universities look forward to consummating successful media rights deals in the very near future. Based on positive conversations with multiple potential media rights partners over the past weeks, we remain highly confident in our future growth and success as a conference and united in our commitment to one another. So uh, to me, this sounds like a conference that is nervous, right? They're nervous about the narrative around their business model right now. They're nervous about the way the media is portraying the situation and painting them as a league and a conference that is the odd man out. And so they're they're going to the press themselves and they're saying, no, we're all united. And it feels like a vote of confidence that an athletic director would give an embattled head coach before firing them. The Pac-12 has a couple of huge priorities right now. They have to get this media rights deal done. They need to keep Oregon and Washington happy because those are the two, with USC and UCLA leaving, those are the two big name brands that are left over. Those are the two schools that were have been kind of linked to the Big Ten at times, even though it seems like with Kevin Warren moving on from that commissioner position of the Big Ten, that movement and expansion uh, situation has been sort of put on hold. 
the Big 12, I'm a little skeptical. I think there's an opportunity for them to poach Pac-12 schools. I'm not sure that it's going to happen because I think ultimately for a lot of these Pac-12 schools, unless they're just completely unhappy with location, with the direction of how the Pac-12 is moving, unless there's a lot more money involved, there's not a huge incentive for them to jump ship because with the expanded playoff from a competitiveness standpoint, if they can secure a deal that's close to the Big 12, there's not necessarily a huge advantage in moving. But if some of those schools are interested in listening, like Arizona and Arizona State, even if you were able to just poach two, that would be a big win for the Big 12. If you could find a way to get Colorado with all the momentum they have right now with Coach Prime to say, hey, let's look at this more closely. Maybe this is not the best situation for us. And then that gives you an opportunity as a conference to increase your reach, increase your media rights deals. Because for the most part, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are kind of following the same model, which has been they're just raiding the group of five schools, right? Big 12 went and got Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, all really good schools, but all schools that were in the American Conference. They also got BYU, which is an independent and has a big nationwide brand. But it's not necessarily a, a school that you think of when you think of the Blue Bloods of college football. And neither is Colorado or the Arizona schools, but those are at least Power 5 schools. And so I think it would be kind of a flex if the Big 12 could find a way to get a deal done with some of the four-corner schools. I don't think the really West Coast schools would be interested if Oregon and Washington were, it'd be a no-brainer. But I feel like they're they're waiting this out, and they're holding out hope that maybe the Big Ten or the SEC will swoop in. The other fascinating aspect of this is the ACC, through this whole process, has just kind of stayed pat. They have a long-term deal with ESPN connected with the ACC network that is not in any way obsolete, so there's not necessarily a reason for them to have any movement. I don't know how interested they are in expansion beyond Notre Dame, which is a big fish that a lot of different conferences are trying to court. But the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are kind of in the staring match right now. The Big 12 appears to be winning it right now, at least publicly, and this, in my mind, is why the Pac-12 is making this statement. They're trying to combat this narrative of, okay, you guys, you, you, you think you've won this? We're still here. We're united. We're working with one another. We're optimistic about the future. We're optimistic about these media rights deals. We'll see. I mean, there's no reason to say that if it's true. Uh, the issue is there's a different perception out there, and I think that perception is right. There's some there's some instability here, and I feel like Brett Yormark was shrewd in by going ahead and getting that media deal done when he did. When we come back, we'll wrap up with a Mike Miles update. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar, most delicious protein bar around. You know, we're in the middle of February here, and if you're sitting there and you're like, I've, I've been trying to be healthier this new year, it's not working. Built Bar is be a great habit to get because you don't have to feel guilty, and it's also delicious. BuiltBar.com slash LockedOn. Use that promo code LockedOn to get a little discount on your first order or your next order. I've said before, I usually eat it at breakfast. It's great to grab out the door while I'm getting out the door with my kiddos. 
Built Bar, try it today. You can also find them locally at Sam's Club if you have a membership there. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Give them a chance. Best protein bar around. All right, so final thing here. Uh, tomorrow night, TCU and Iowa State will face off at Hilton Coliseum. Tough place to win. The Cyclones have lost two straight. TCU has suddenly found themselves in eighth place in the Big 12 with this three-game losing streak. They're on in conference play. Of course, we know a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're missing Eddie Lampkin and Mike Miles. Eddie Lampkin was dealing with a family situation on Saturday, so uh, expectation is that he will be back Wednesday on the road against the Cyclones. Mike Miles practiced yesterday, and uh, or pre-practiced today, excuse me. Mike Miles practiced on Tuesday, and according to Jamie Dixon, he looked good. Um, didn't officially clear him for the game against Iowa State, but it's a good sign. I would say if he doesn't play tomorrow, I would expect him to be back at home against Oklahoma State, but I think there's a good chance he at least plays limited minutes against the Cyclones. Need Mike back, need Eddie back, need to get rolling. Uh in a conference that is slowly pulling away from you, not even so much as far as like winning or standings, but just getting your, your seeding in the NCAA tournament in a good position. Mike and Eddie back, tough game against Iowa State, lost a heartbreaker to them at home earlier this year. Need to try to flip that if you can, but it's going to be two pretty desperate teams. So I expect the energy level to be high. Iowa State desperately trying to stay in this Big 12 title race. TCU trying to get back on track. Should be a fun one. Tomorrow night. We'll be back tomorrow as well. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your